I've got to tell you, with everything that is in me, this is going to sound like one of those statements that you're like, yeah, no joke, you're the pastor. No, no, I, I know plenty of pastors who can't make this statement about the church they pastor. I love this church. We're going on, it's hard to believe, we're going on seven years in existence. I love what it stands for. It's not the biggest church in town. It sure ain't the prettiest church in town. It sure ain't the richest church in town. Matter of fact, it's a very broken church, full of broken people. It's made up of people who didn't do church before they started attending here. It's made up of people who were shunned by church. I had a guy recently, matter of fact, this week. I never, and, I, and not because I'm anti him or anything, I, I just don't do a lot with other pastors. I don't even know a lot of pastors. And I was in a situation this week. I was in a place, and this guy walks in, and turns out he's a pastor. And we started talking, and about 10 minutes into the conversation, I see it clicking his brain who I am and what church I pastor. And he's like, can I ask you some questions? I said, sure you can. He said, from what I've heard, you have a bunch of, and he named a certain group of people who attend your church. I said, yeah. He said, then I've heard you have a large number of, and he named another group of people. I said, yeah. He said, then I also heard you have a large number of, and he named another group of people. I said, yeah. He said, I'm just so curious. This group and this group and this group seems so different. How do you get them all to come to church together? And I said, well, you're right. This group and this group and this group are insanely different in every area of their life except one. They've all felt like they've been shunned by the church and they found refuge here. And he said, but I don't understand. And I said, then there's, and literally, I wasn't trying to, but I said, then I don't know how to explain it to you. You just don't get it, and that's cool. But we got a group of people who just feel shunned by the church, who, who feel not accepted by the church. In many cases, we've got a lot of people who attend this church, who before attending this church had given up on church. In every sense of the word, I say this and people laugh all the time, but it literally is the island of misfit toys. It's an odd church. Church is the most segregated place in our country on Sunday morning. When you walk into the average church... I don't care if it has 20 people or it has 10,000 people. 
What you're going to see in that church normally is everyone looks the same. Everyone normally is from the same social, economically or business-wise or whatever. And, and we have the white church and the black church and the rich church and the poor church and the country church and the ghetto church and the Latino church. And, you know, I've got a buddy who pastors a skateboarding church. And he's in a very urban area where skateboarding is very popular. And everybody who attends his church is very into that culture. And it's just a very segregated place. And Ashton Church doesn't kind of fall into that. I mean, you've got people who live in $500,000 homes sitting next to people who literally, literally are homeless. You've got straight people sitting next to gay people. And you've got people who've been Christians their whole life sitting next to people who not even sure they believe in God. It's just a very different mix of people. I tell people all the time, it's just a beautiful mess. <laughs> but it's still a mess. When you have this many different folks from this many different walks of life coming together, it's very easy for division to take place. Especially if we allow ourselves to take our eyes off the main thing. Make no mistake about it today, when it comes to Action Church, there's a main thing. And it's real, real easy to get sidetracked by all the other things that you lose sight of the main thing. It's so easy because there's so many different personalities and there's so many different backgrounds and there's so many different ideologies that it's so easy and the devil, it's the easiest thing he could do is divide a group of people like this by us focusing on everything and anything but the main thing. There's not a person in this place today that I couldn't go one-on-one -on -one with and find a thousand things that I disagree with. And they could find a thousand things they disagree with me on. And we can spend our whole lives in disunity over those things we don't agree on. Or we can decide that the main thing is the main thing. And it's the most important thing. And that's T-H-A-N-G. Not T-H-I-N-G. Thing. Knowing that I was going to preach this sermon three weeks ago, I had taken the Facebook app off my phone, the greatest move I ever made in my life. But I knew this sermon was coming up, and I wanted to do an informal survey, so I put it back on my phone. And I began to count things that the people of Action Church wrote on Facebook. So I decided I was going to keep tally of every time someone at Action Church wrote something on Facebook that someone else from Action Church commented on in a disagreeing way. Whether it was about politics, 
social issues, religion, uh, race, whatever. Three weeks. I'm sure I missed some. I counted 217 posts of decisiveness, of discord, of disunity, of things that people thought were important, but really at the end of the day take our focus off the main thing. People ask me literally daily, what do you think about this politically and what do you think about this politically? This is literally what I believe. This ain't This ain't me bullshitting you. Now, I don't care. I, I wanted you to hear that word because that's how serious I am about this. I don't care. Not because I don't care. I don't care because literally with everything that is in me, I believe God's in control. Now, I have the right to go cast my vote and make decisions and do this, and that is my right. But let me make this very clear to you. I don't care if a guy with bad hair is the president or a woman who no one likes is the president. I don't care. Because God's in control and nothing surprises God. And at the end of the day, if we truly believe that, we'd focus on the major things instead of all the minor things. Well, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. So all those things are bigger than God? You think God's taken by surprise by anything? And it's so funny how we shift our theology to back our preference. We cause disunity. We call fighting among the family, and we're so busy fighting over stupid stuff that we can't focus on the mission that God's called us to do. And I'm going to be straight up. And if you never come back, don't come back. I've run half of everybody off. We'll run the other half off, and we'll either shut it down or God will rebuild it. But here's the deal. Some of you need to grow up on both sides of the fence. Because all the community sees is the church fighting amongst each other instead of the church being united to change our city for the main thing, which is reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So then I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to count how many times over the last three weeks Somebody posted inviting someone to church, bragging on the church, bragging on God, or reaching out to someone. Issues of decisiveness 217 times. Issues of, hey, y'all to come to church? Three weeks. One post. Yeah, you're right, man. We got our priorities straight. Be proud of yourself. You let everyone know where you stood on this issue, an issue that ain't going to have anything to do with where they spend eternity. Matter of fact, an issue that you were such an a-hole about your views that you probably turned them off to ever hearing your thoughts on eternity. 
We're more interested in things of the world than we are the things of God. It's sickening. And if there was ever a time in our nation, and there was ever a time in our church where we ought to come together, it's right now because we live in a day and time where people need answers, and here's the answer. His name is Jesus. You say, what's the question? It don't matter. His name's Jesus. You believe that? I believe it with everything that is in me. And it's time for us to get refocused. We wonder why the church is so ineffective. It's because we've quit coming together. We no longer rally around a vision. We haven't kept the main thing the main thing. We base our friendships on men. They think like me and they act like me and they look like me. And God forbid anybody has a different opinion than me. And oh, BTW, I got lots of opinions. And here's the deal. If I can keep my opinions to myself, surely to God you can. I'm about the most opinionated person you'll ever meet. But every time I go to post something, and you might disagree with this, make no mistake about it, every time I post something, even if it's blown up and went viral, I've thought long and hard and made sure it's worded just the way I want it worded. I ask myself, is this going to hurt the cause of Christ or is it going to help the cause of Christ? And then here's what someone's going to send me. You didn't feel that way with the news? Yes, I did. Who got mad over the needle post? If you don't know about that, we did a post about us giving out clean needles and all hell broke loose. The religious got mad. I don't ever post to make the religious happy. I post to let those who are far from God, who don't know God, who've been shunned by church, who don't feel accepted at church, who don't feel invited, to let them know, hey, 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 you might not agree with us, but there's a place at 261 Marietta Road that loves you just the way you are. Come on in. If the religious don't like it, man, that's the religious issue. They didn't like half the stuff Jesus did. Here's the reality, and I don't want to hurt your feelings. But I, if I had to choose between one of you who's a believer and the decision to reach someone who's not a believer, they win every time. Not because I don't love you and not because I don't want you around, but here's what I know. If you leave our church and you're a believer, you're still going to stay in the Word of God. You're still going to find a church that fits you. You're still going to do life with people. You're still going to live that life. I don't ever want to lose you, so don't take that as I'm trying to run you off. Don't twist it in whatever your stinking mind convinces you. Gary didn't want me there. <laughs> but this person over here who doesn't know Christ, I don't know if they'll leave here and give God another shot. So they win, you lose. They win, and my preferences lose. People think that everything that goes on right here is just because that's the way Gary was. There's a lot of stuff that goes on here that ain't really my thing. That ain't really the way I would do it. But I do it because I knew it reaches a group of people who normally wouldn't darken the doors of a church. And if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, then we have got to get past pettiness and come back together. Look what the Bible says about the first church. They, they who? The church. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They enjoyed it. They enjoyed each other. And to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they devoted themselves to... Go back for a minute, Xander. They devoted themselves to teaching, learning the God, to fellowshipping and doing life with each other, breaking bread, sharing meals together, and praying. Man, there's powerful things in that. Check this out. Everyone... Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs that were being performed by the apostles. Verse 44. All. <laughs> it's not been a Baptist church. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They weren't arguing over style of music. Great, they weren't arguing over the color of the paint in the new building. They weren't arguing over this and arguing over that and arguing over that. I was thinking today, because I knew everybody's good. I was thinking about all the reasons in my years, 20-something years of being in ministry, people have left churches that I pastored. So let me give you some of my favorite reasons. One time I pastored a church that had about 30 people in Ames, Iowa, in the middle of nowhere. And I made a statement... One day, wouldn't it be cool to have a band on stage and drums? We didn't have one person in church who could play an instrument. And so the man said, I'm leaving. I said, why are you leaving the church? Well, you're going to have drums one day. We're leaving. <laughs> yeah, but we don't got them. You're like, if you're anti-drums, I'm like, well, won't you wait till we get them? I pastored a church, the very first church I ever pastored. You had to wear a suit and tie and everything. Three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It was awesome. I call that the church from hell. And it was a Saturday night, and I realized none of my white dress shirts were clean. I went to J.C. Penney's. Anybody remember J.C. Penney's? That's all we had in Ames, Iowa. I was poor. I was about 23 years old. Didn't have two pennies to rub together. The church paid me $13,000 a year. Even 20 years ago, that wasn't good money. They had blue dress shirts on sale for $10. I bought a blue dress shirt to wear with my blue suit. The next day I got up and preached, and the family came after me and said, Man, we need you to know we're leaving the church. I said, Why? They said, We just don't know what to do. That, that just seems to be like you putting on a colored dress shirt seems like one of the first steps into going liberal. We left our church. I've been part of a church where the sanctuary was in the middle and had a hall going down this way and a hall going down this way, and that's how you exited the church. And the pastor made the decision that traffic would flow better if we moved the nursery off the right hall and to the left hall. He did not have a deacon's meeting about it or ask anybody's permission. He did it. People got mad and left the church. Because their Aunt Granny's second cousin's best friend donated the money to paint that room 50 years ago to be the nursery. It's amazing why people will leave churches. We had people leave this church because we said we're thinking about the idea of giving out clean needles. Didn't say we were doing it. Instead of being mature and saying, hey, I'd like to sit down and talk with you about it. Let me tell you some of my issues with that and why I disagree. Some of you did. Man, you had adult conversations. Amazing concept. 
People left the church over it. It's very rare to find a group where all the believers were together and had everything in common. But the early church says all the believers were together and they had everything in common. It says they sold their property and their possessions to get anyone who had need. I'm not saying go sell everything. We're not talking about being a cult. What they're saying here is they did whatever it took to meet the needs of the people in the group. See a need, meet a need. Every day, they continue to meet together. Most of you can't make it once a week. Someone asked me at Easter, they said, man, how do we have such a big crowd? You didn't even advertise Easter. I said, I ain't got to advertise Easter. All the once a monthers come on the same Sunday and it's packed out. You know? Every day they continue. They, they broke bread in their homes. They did life together. Now, this is an area, Action Church, you do phenomenal in. I, if we had the biggest strength as a church, I think it's the fact that you guys do life together outside of this church. It's amazing. I think it's beautiful. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Next verse, please. Praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Now look what happened because they were doing that. They, all, everyone, and the Lord added to the, their number daily those that were being saved. I am not a theologian. I don't play one on television. I don't know how fast the church grew, but I know this. At a minimum, the church grew by three. How many days are in a year? 352? 56? 365? See, even better. How many days are in a year? 365. So at a minimum, I ain't a theologian or a mathematician. Just a sexy beast. At a minimum, they grew by 365 people a year. Every day, someone was being added to the church. Every day, someone was saying, there's something different about those people. Every day, people were saying, man, i got to be part of what's going on over there. And if you go back and read all the previous things, you'll see they were praying, breaking bread, listening to the teaching. But at the end of the day, they were united. They were together. And when a group of people are united and they're together, they can literally change the world. We see very quickly that the early church grew to 3,000 people. 50,000 people, 100,000 people. Here's the deal. Do you think that those 3,000 people didn't disagree? Do you think they had issues they didn't like? Do you think they went through things that they didn't understand and they didn't agree with what different people were doing? There's no way they were together and didn't have disagreements. But at the end of the day, they knew the most important thing was unity and pointing people to Jesus and the main thing overrode all the minor things. I don't think my, my, my issue's minor. Does it have to do with people going to heaven? Everything else is all. Well, I just, believe, I, I, I just believe this shouldn't happen. There's a lot of stuff I believe shouldn't happen. I ain't justifying any of it. But go to China and they're being killed because they're Christians. Literally being killed if they're found with a Bible. And tell me 
that life's supposed to be fair. The main thing's the main thing, and it's pointing people to Jesus. So today we're going to get refocused. Because I'm just going to be as honest with you as I can, which is real honest. We're in an interesting times of the church, and I'll fill you in a little bit more next week. We're going to have a family chat after the service, remember? I'm going to fill you in on all the rumors. Gary's leaving, Gary's not leaving, we're losing our building, we're losing our building, this is happening. I'm going to tell I'm going to give you all the facts next week. It's going to be good. That way you shut up gossiping. Just saying. But I will tell you this today. We're at a crossroads. There's going to be some big, big changes coming. And we got one or two decisions. We can adapt and roll with the changes and do what God's called us to do. Or, or, we can lock the door and shut her down. Now here's what you need to understand. I have a preference in what we do. But I'm good either way. Don't leave here saying that Gary wants to shut the church down as again as you do. But if God so chose to shut the church down, then I'm not arguing with God. I'll look back and say, man, we had a seven-year run that was amazing, and this community's better because of what we did. It's funny, it's always God's will to start a church, never God's will to close a church. Always God's will when people join our church, never God's will when people leave our church. God might have had this church here for such a time as this. But I gotta be honest with you, I don't I don't think that's the answer. But I think we gotta get refocused on a couple of things. Every once in a while, you gotta go back to the basics on some things. And you gotta re be reminded about what we will be as a church. What we started this church on, and what are non negotiables. There's a lot of things you can say about me. A lot of bad things you can say about me, and most of them would be true. But you ought to know this after seven years. The vision's not changing. I don't care if it's the most influential person in the church who's trying to change it. It's not changing. We've lost biggest givers, biggest servers. Not because, and I don't say that in a bragging way. Never wanted to lose any of them. Breaks my heart every time someone leaves our church. It breaks my heart more to see them leave our church and then flounder around bouncing from church to church because they can't find a place because they're too prideful to come back home in the first place. But here's the deal: the vision won't change to keep them. The vision is the vision, and if you want something else other than that vision, we're not mad at you. You, this might not be the church for you. First thing we'll be is we'll always be a church where everyone is welcome. Well, duh, Gary. I know every church says that. How many of you have been in a church and didn't feel very welcomed? Hold your hands up. Look around. That's crazy, ain't it? My favorite story James tells us he was supposed to preach at a church. You know what story I'm fixing to tell? Pastor asked James to come in and preach. No one knew who James was. James comes in looking like the bum that he looks like. And <laughs> long beard. Everybody thought he was homeless and no one talked to him. The whole, not, not one person talked to you before the service, right? 
And then you got on stage to preach. And they were shocked. Weren't very welcoming. It's a cute little thing to say, man, the church where everybody's welcome. But it's something we will live out. Or we'll close our doors. The Bible says the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who's thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Let them, if they're thirsty, let them come. If they're hungry, let them come. If they're hurting, let them come. If they're going through hard times, let them come. If they're struggling with addiction, let them come. If their life is perfect and their marriage is perfect, praise God, let them come because eventually it won't be perfect. And they're going to need somebody to say, man, we love you right where you are. You're messy and you're an idiot. And a lot of the reasons your life's falling apart is because of your stupid decisions. But guess what? We've been there and we love you. Everybody should be welcome. Jesus stands before us and he tells us, come. You're welcome. I meet you right where you're at. Jesus doesn't wait for us to change till he meets us. He meets us in the muck and the mire. The church says, man, you've got to get out of the muck and mire first. Get cleaned up and look a certain way and act a certain way and talk a certain way and be a certain way. And she said, man, I'm going to pull you out of the muck and the mire. I'm going to place your feet on a solid rock. Hey, here's the deal. Jesus knows you've got to catch a fish before you clean a fish. And if Jesus does that for us, then those who make up the church ought to do those. Do that for those that are out in the community. It doesn't matter the hurt. It doesn't matter the pain. It doesn't matter what you're going through in life. This should always be a place in Canton, Georgia, where you're welcome. I had a guy come up to me recently. He said, Gary, I, I got to tell you something. He said, I, he said, man, I've been coming to your church a couple of weeks. I said, cool. He said, but I don't, I'm Catholic. I don't believe what you're saying. I said, cool. He said, but I kind of dig it every week. Can I keep coming? Sure. What? Sure. There's another guy struggling with an addiction to crack cocaine. He came to me and said, man, I, can I come check out your church? Sure. He said, I got to be honest with you. He goes, Saturday nights are crazy for me. I, I might be a little messed up on Sunday. Can I come? Sure. Got a Facebook message this week. <laughs> this week. From a guy who is, for whatever reason, I've literally met this guy twice in my whole life. He has run me down for seven years. About a year ago, he found Rick and Sandra in a bar and told them, you know what's going to happen at your church tomorrow? There's a whole group coming to pull your pastor off that stage and get rid of him. They called me concerned. I said, man, I don't know what that guy's deal is with me. He's had an issue. Man, obviously, they didn't show up and pull me off stage. <laughs> I go to check my Facebook message this week, and up in the corner is this little button. I've never seen it highlighted before. It says, you got to... It was some kind of weird message that people that aren't your friend on Facebook can send you. So I clicked on it. I had the guy blocked on Facebook. He said, hey, I had to create a new Facebook account just where I could send you this message. 
He said, I'm in a bad, bad place. And he said, I need a church to come to. What would be your reaction if I showed up one Sunday without thinking? I didn't have to pray about it. I hadn't talked to my wife about it. I responded back to him and said, my reaction would be, you're welcome. Anytime you want to come. Does that mean I want to be the guy's best friend? Nope. Does that mean I'm going to ever trust the guy? Nope. Does that mean I can't love the guy and point him to Jesus? I can love the guy and point him to Jesus anytime because all are welcome at Action Church. That's non-negotiable here. You're welcome to come with your doubts. You're welcome to come with your questions. You're welcome to come with your fears. You're welcome to come with your poor decisions. You're welcome to come with your pain. You're welcome to come with your hurt. You're welcome to come with your addictions. You're welcome to come. Just don't. I've always said this. Just don't come naked. Remember when we did that Easter campaign a few years ago? We had the fat lady... And I'm not trying to be offensive and make fun of fat people. It was just a big fat lady in an Easter bunny outfit that said, wear whatever you want to on Easter, just don't come naked. And people lost their mind. and It got crazy and I got death threats and all kinds of stuff. Just don't come naked. And here's the funny thing about don't come naked. James, we've had them come half naked, haven't we? We've had them stumble out of the woods with nothing but shorts on. No shoes on, no socks on, no shirt on. We've had them come such bad shape. Listen to me. We had an alcoholic come in this church one Sunday morning in such DTs and shake him because he didn't have alcohol. That we, to get him through the service, we had to give him a beer just to get him to quit shaking because his body was in convulsion. He said, you gave him a beer? We just wanted to get him through the service before we didn't get him to the hospital. I don't like that. I didn't ask you to like it. I'm just telling you what we had to do. All are welcome. But here's the deal. I can say it all day long. I can say it and I can spray it. But that don't happen without you. The role you play in that is you've got to be welcoming the people. Can I be honest with you? You're not very good at it. Had a friend come to our church last week. Him and his wife. Came in, sat in the service. They live south of Atlanta. Afterwards, I come and said, man, how was church? That was great. Man, Grady did a great job. I like him. Blah, blah, blah. The music was great. I said, anything negative? He said, I got to be honest with you. I said, be honest with you. He goes, not one person, not one person said hello to us. We're not a very big church. It ain't hard to figure out who, don't, who ain't new and who. I'm not beating you up. Because guess what? You know what else he said? He goes, <laughs> he said, don't be too hard on them because before service you didn't even come over and say hello. I was like, oh, I saw you. I was just busy. It's not that we're bad-hearted people. It's that we get busy. We get in our holy huddle on Sunday. We're not bad people. It's not that we're unfriendly. But to make a place be welcome for everyone, you've got to be intentional about it. That's why it's so important to do life with people throughout the week. That way it's not like you ain't never seen them on Sunday. Be looking for people. 
who you know are looking for people who are uncomfortable. And they might have just slipped through the cracks, and that might not be the case for everyone. I don't know. But I'm just telling you what they told me. We, you, we play a role in that. If we want to be a place where everyone's welcome, we've got to make everyone feel welcome. That's our role in it. Welcome people from the community. Welcome your friends. Invite your family. Invite people who don't know Christ. Instead of arguing with them about politics or sitting around talking about everything, say, hey, man, you ought to come check out my church. Do you know they say seven out of ten people would come to church one time, one time, just once, if someone simply invited them? What if everyone in this church made a commitment that next week I'm bringing one person to church with me? Look around, we wouldn't have enough seats for them. That's a good problem. It's a shame that we can put redneck wrestling on on Saturday nights and have 400-something people. It's a shame. I'm not trying to beat you up today. I love you. I think I've earned the right to be a little bit grumpy every now and then. It's a shame that we can get more excited about inviting our friends to wrestling on Saturday night than we do church on Sunday morning. Don't get me wrong, wrestling's fun. And if you ain't experienced that, you've missed out, ain't they, Art? Me and Art are fighting next time in the ring. We decided last night. But listen, Sunday is where life change happens. Here's what you ought to do. I'm just going to challenge you. You ought to think of three people right now. Let me make this very clear. We're different than a lot of places. I want you to think of three people who don't attend another church. My pet peeve. I'll see people on Facebook be like, great service at First Baptist, blah, blah, blah. And people will be on there, hey, you ought to come check out our church. They just told you they go to church somewhere else. Think of three people who don't attend church somewhere. Say, so you know what? I'm just simply going to invite them to church next week. Three people. If none of them show up, hey, you can't drag them. But think of three people. We all know three people. You say, Gary, why, why, why do you do that? Because you want to brag about how many people we have? No, no, you don't know me very well. I want to do it because I believe every person is a life that matters to God. There's a thousand people here. That's a thousand people who matter. I just don't want us to get big. Then don't go to heaven. Because you're going to hate it. Like, people ask me, like, my pet peeve. How big you think we're going to get? Well, I don't know. We're going to set a number, then turn people away. Sorry, we're full, 400. You can't come. Get here earlier next week, because now you're handling We cut it off. I don't know. If 10,000 come through the doors, we'll preach to 10,000. If 100 come through the doors, we'll preach to 100. The bottom line is people matter to God, and we ought to be welcoming people. You've turned so many people off arguing. And here's the deal. You ain't convincing anybody on social media you're right. That's what blows my mind. Nobody's been like, dang, I saw it on social media. I changed my whole view. <laughs> if the issue's that important to you, how about this? How about invest in their lives? How about become friends with them? How about get to the point in your life with those people where open and honest dialogue can happen? 
I've got a friend here in the church that me and this person couldn't be any different on the spectrum. And we've had some deep, deep conversations because there's a friendship there and there's a trust there. And we've agreed to disagree without ever being like, well, I'm not going to be friends with you. If you don't believe like I believe, just unfollow me on Facebook because I want everybody like me. Shut God, you sound so dumb. Both sides of the fence, so don't think I'm picking on anybody. If you don't believe like me, unfollow me. God, what's wrong with you? How can you influence people if you're not around people who need influencing? The Bible says we're to be salt of the earth. How can you be salt if you're not around things that don't need savoring? The Bible says we're light of the world. How can you not be light if you're not around darkness? Golly! Let me tell you something. I keep hearing rumors Gary's talking about leaving. If it keeps up, I'm leaving. I'm serious. I'm over it. It takes the joy out of pastoring. That's how serious I am about it. Let me fuel your rumors a little bit. I got a job interview this Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Now, I don't plan on leaving this place if I get the job. But man, I am not going to be a referee between people who don't want to focus on things that do not matter. What matters to me and ought to matter to this church is that Jesus loves people. Hey, we'll be a church where everyone's welcome, and we'll be a church where everyone's needed. Everyone's needed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you why church is so important. Because we're a body. And I got talents that you don't have, and you got talents that I don't have. Man, look, I can't do this and do this. Like it takes too much coordination and sing. And I'm not more important than that. That's a talent. Lisa over here, I can't look pretty and sing and look cool with tattoos. I can't do it. Can't. Let me tell you what I can't do. I, my father-in-law, that joker knows, every, he's probably brought more people to this church than anybody ever. I don't have that talent. He does. I can't show up late every single week like you do and then disrupt the service by coming to sit down front. That's your unique gift that drives me crazy every week. I don't have the gift of that man right there. I cannot talk to him for three weeks and he knows I had the clear blue to call me when I need him to call me and just say, hey, I don't know what's going on, but something's going on, I'm praying for you. I don't have the gift to sit back behind that cafe and surf... I sure don't have the gift of working the other side of that wall with those kids over there. (laughs) Here's the deal, though. It's all important. This is actually the easiest gig here. And you could take me off stage, and Grady can do it every week, and it'll probably grow. I've proven every place I leave grows and triples. 
Our church in Iowa quadrupled. The church I pastored here quadrupled. Best thing ever happened to the church is they get rid of me. Man, listen, listen. This is easy. Great, I'm going to let them in on a little secret. You know I can go online right now and find any sermon I want to, and I ain't got to study and anybody can preach it. There's all kinds of sermons. Sermoncentral.com, I can get any sermon I want. And I can print the manuscript and give it to any one of you, and y'all can get up here and preach it. This is the easiest thing we do here. Every person in this church is needed because you have unique talents that nobody else has. Joe Owens. You don't know most of you don't know Joe. He makes that kids area happen along with being on call on most weekends. Uh, Alan Barros, most of you don't know who Alan is every week working security. People say, why do we need security? Here's why we need security. Unfortunately, that's just the world we live in. It takes one idiot to show up. One idiot to show up, and you'll be real glad there's security who takes it serious. I, those guys sometimes they get, I, say, I, I tell them every I hope you get bored doing your job. The day you're not bored at your job, I mean, some ain't right around here. What a skill set. I don't have that skill set. I don't, I don't have that skill set. Barry Alderman, he's at the beach this week. Well, listen, we had Rich forever, and now Rich is, you know, touring the country because they released a new CD. And, man, I got to be honest with you, man, we were scared. Like, man, that's a complicated thing running sound back there, and Rich is running today, and we love Rich. But here's the deal. Rich is going on the road this week. Bye, Rich. We got Barry. Now, here's the deal. You know what I love about Barry and about skill set? Barry's at the beach this week, and we got Rich. Isn't that funny how that works? That's a skill set. I looked at a, I posted a picture the other day of our very first service ever next door. And there's freaking Xander over there, like 13-year-old, just hitting puberty, working on the computer, doing his thing. Now he's in college, he's going to start graduate school, going to be a multi-multi-millionaire, build us a building one day, I'm naming and I'm claiming that. And he's still back there serving. Listen, any of you guys that got a daughter about 18 or 19, I'd be pushing her to hook up with Xander. He's a genius. <laughs> Bible says in 1 Corinthians, <laughs> that I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. In the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. This is important, man. I'm, I'm partial to the pinky. Someone asked me, if you had to get a part of your body cut off, what part would you want cut off? None. <laughs> like, I like them all. I'm partial to them. So I told him, I said, well, I guess my pinky toe. Did you know your pinky toe actually balances you out where you can walk straight and everything? I was like, I didn't know that. I don't want my pinky toe gone then. <laughs> I like having five toes and five toes. Five and five. Ten, see, I am a good ma- at math. I like having ten toes. When God looks at Action Church, he sees a body. He sees a family. Some of you are the heads, and some of you are the hands, and some of you are the feet, and some of you are the knees, and at one time or another, we're all the butt. I get it. It is what it is. It just is what it is, but it's all important. And we don't operate like we should operate when you're not part of making it happen. And there's far too many recently that are sitting on their blessed assurance every week instead of making things happen. 
serving and saying, I want to be part of it. You're like sponges. You just suck in everything that happens around here and you contribute nothing. Then don't get mad when the church isn't doing what it should be doing because you might have been the missing piece in that area. Well, I was thinking about serving here, but I didn't know if there's a need. There's always a need. Everybody here is a volunteer. They all like a Sunday off every now and then. All make a difference. God's given you gifts. And he gave you those gifts to be successful in the world. Don't get me wrong. But he also gave you those gifts to make a difference in the kingdom. Because we're better together. We need to be a church where everyone is welcome. And we need to be a church where everyone is needed. Every person who comes through these doors and says, man, I want to be part of Action Church, they're needed. Don't ever think that you have some small role that can't be replaced, that, that, that can be easily replaced. Because it can't be. You're vital to what we do here. Like, I just get out of kick. It makes me laugh. I think it's the coolest thing in the world that our door greeter's blind. Like, he can't see you. Though he did tell me one time he had 20-20 vision in his hands. Um, I'll leave that there. But like, like, every church needs a blind greeter. It's awesome. Man. Someone came to me one time and they said, Hey, I'm in this type of relationship. Would I be welcome at your church? I said, Yeah, you'd be welcome at our church. They said, Hey, we've been told that before, but when we come to the church, really what they mean is you can take up a seat and you can give your money, but you can't serve and participate. Can we serve and participate? I said, Yeah. What? Said, yeah. Give a crap. You can be strung out on crack if you can greet someone at the door. Listen, we don't want you strung out on crack, but I'm going to put you at the door to greet somebody. Man, what better place? We love to stuff people on the sidelines until they get, man, put them in the game. Hey, listen, <laughs> reality check for you. So I was pretty decent at football back in the day. And so one time I got stupid, decided I was going to pop some speed pills for a football game. And I was bouncing all, freaking all out and seeing things I shouldn't see. And coach found out. It was a playoff game, so he wasn't going to not play me. Here's what he did. I remember, he said, put him in the game. Someone said, he's going to get hurt out there. They said, no. They said, he's going to get pop on good time, and it's going to clear his head up real good. I got in that game, and I got cold cocked where I'm talking about laying on the field. I lived in a small town, thousands of people saying, and I opened my eyes, my mom's on the middle of the field standing over. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> but you know what? It cleaned me up real quick. I finished the rest of that game. I didn't have any issues. If he'd left me on the sidelines, I'd have been messed up nonstop. He put me in the game. Sometimes you've got to get in the game and get cocked upside the head. And that'll clear the cobwebs out. Put him on the sideline. For what? Put him in the game. Put him in the game. I got to get done. I can preach on vision forever. Hey, we'll be a church where everyone is changed. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we come in here on Sunday, we all carry baggage. We all come in with pain. We all come in with our own story. We all come in with our own hurt. 
You have your addictions. You have your secrets. You have your vices. But what that verse is saying is when you come in here, every person has the ability to be saved. This needs to be a place where life change happens. Thank God that we serve a God who doesn't see us like we see each other. Thank God we serve a God who doesn't see us like we see ourselves. When I was at my lowest and thought I couldn't sink anymore, it's funny, it's during that time that I knew God said, I love you, you idiot. That's how God talks to me. You're an, like God, I feel like he calls me that often. You're an idiot. But you're my idiot. My wife says that to me a lot too. Must be some kind of theme there. Every person who comes through this place is a life that needs to meet Jesus. Everybody Listen to me. Everybody is somebody, somebody. You say, what's that mean? Here's what it means. That person that you come in and you're like, why are they here? They don't smell good and they're this and that. They got a mama somewhere praying for them or a sister praying for them. And if it was your son and if it was your daughter, if it was your cousin and if it was your best friend you'd been praying for, You'd want them to come through that door and this church to do what it does. Open its arms and love them. I always get a kick out of people. I got a lot of people in this community who don't like me. Until, until it's their son who's in addiction. It's their daughter who they don't know what to do with. It's their husband who's running around on them. And all of a sudden, hey, I know we've had our differences. Oh, I know we've had our differences. But I don't got anywhere to turn. Good. They need to turn here. Because we have been put here to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Like I said, there's a lot of churches prettier, and a lot of churches smarter, and a lot of churches more sophisticated, and a lot of churches doing a lot of amazing things in this community. But for whatever reason, He's decided this group of people is the front line. We're going to get dirty. We're going to go in the crack house. We're going to go wherever. We're going to slap them upside the face. They're going to slap me. That's just what we do. We're about changed lives. Let me make this clear. We don't do this every week just to show up have great music and hang out. I love that about our church. But if all we want to do every week is show up and do life together, you've heard me say this a thousand times. Let's all take a Sunday. I'll put all the different churches in the community up on the screen. I'll give you the pros and the cons of every church. And we'll take a vote on what church we're all going to go join. Then we can all go join that church together. We can all hang out every Sunday and do life together every Sunday. Be, but we ain't got to deal with the stress and the work of it. That's a much better situation if we're not going to do the vision God's called us to do. God's got us a unique vision to be the hands and feet of Jesus because we believe every life can be changed. Well, you don't know about them. I know I don't, but I know about me. And God changed me. And I am so 
glad for about four people in my life who reached out to me in my lowest point and said, I love you and I believe in you. And if they believed in me, who am I not to believe in? Yeah, Gary, but they, they're never... Someone recently in our church had a relapse and got back. And the response was, yeah, they're never going to get clean. What? Funny thing was the person who said that had been an addict for years and had been clean for years. I was like, well, aren't you glad that no one said that about you? Ain't it funny? We, we, grace is great when it's for us. Hard when it's for someone else. We're about life change around here. We need to get refocused. We need to come together. The devil would love nothing more than to disrupt what's going on around here and make things not important. I get it. I, I feel so strongly about it that I feel like I could preach hard to you today. I, I feel so strongly about it that I feel like if everyone decides, man, I didn't like what he had to say and doesn't come back, I can be like, cool, I can look myself in the mirror and know I did what God told me to do. I'm okay with that. And again, don't mistake that as I want to lose anybody. Don't mistake that as I don't care and all the crap y'all hear. I love this church. But I do not have time to waste my time on a place that's not laser focused on Jesus. I hope you don't either. I got a wife. I got four kids. I've got a business that actually pays my bills and it ain't this place. Like, like if I'm going to focus on this, it's got to be because it, we're focused on Jesus. And really, the only reason you ought to be here, the only reason Terry ought to want to go put, I, I don't know how much work goes into that, but I'm sure it's a lot of work. Or playing the guitar over here, or drunk. The only reason they should want to put the time in that every week is not because, man, look at me on the stage for four songs. It's because they want to bring you before the throne of Jesus. And the only reason the greeters ought to greet every week and take time out of their schedule is because they want to make you feel welcomed instead of you feeling uncomfortable where you can meet with Jesus. And that's not babysitting over there. It's pointing kids to Jesus on their terms. What are we about? We're real simple. We're about Jesus. Take your denominational preference and your tradition, and God bless, God bless all of them. Nothing wrong with them. We're just about Jesus. Now I'm hungry, and I'm ready to go eat. Let's pray.